Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The upcoming Red River Crops Conference is headed online. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Livestock forage and pasture expectations for the winter of 2020 and 2021. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Neighbor, we've talked a lot about the price of hair sheep here lately. Are we in the perfect storm in regards to the numbers that we have on hand and the prices that the market is willing to pay? We'll find out on today's program. I'm Larry Marble, and today I'm reporting from the San Angelo area. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. The 8th annual Red River Crops Conference will be held online in 2021 due to the coronavirus pandemic. The conference is co-hosted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and the Oklahoma Cooperative Extension Service. It offers crop production information focused on southwest Oklahoma and the Texas Rolling Plains. The conference will be held from 7 to 10 a.m. January 20th and 21st. Speakers will give a cotton market update and a cotton plant pathology update and will discuss cotton equipment technology, herbicide program updates, brush and weed control in pasture systems, and current wheat crop status. Advanced registration is required. A link to RSVP is available on today.agrolife.org. U.S. beef exports in October trailed last year's pace by 0.4 percent, according to a new report from the U.S. Meat Export Federation. The 107,500 metric tons of beef exported in October are valued at $646 million. Value is down half a percent from October of 2019. Beef exports from January through October were 7% lower in terms of volume at 1.02 million metric tons. Muscle cuts sold during that time frame were 5% below last year in volume and 8% lower in terms of value. Registration is underway for the Bear County Beef Cattle Short Course. Details at today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cotton prices have been very unpredictable this year with all of the upheaval in the market caused by drought and COVID-19. But Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says he's not very surprised to see cotton prices climbing higher throughout the fall months. Sometimes that just happens. If you look at cotton futures in the fall and winter, seven years out of 10, they'll be at their lows at harvest time. And then three years out of 10, they'll just be rallying and rocketing higher for some, you know, for some unusual reason. And so we're, we're in one of the rarer fall patterns. But am I surprised? Really, no, not because I'm clairvoyant or really knowledgeable or a good forecaster. I, you know, just 
anything can happen. Robinson says the drought-plagued growing season we had here in Texas has been a major factor in the nationwide acreage reduction and the resulting increase in prices. We always contribute, have a major influence on, on the acreage and the production outcome. On the acreage because we have half the acreage and on the production outcome because we can have a shortage of bales depending on the weather and the season or we can have bales stacked outside of sweet water like the pyramids just depending on the weather. So we, we add to the variability of the outcome, Texas always does. And that was definitely the case this year. Last week's USDA supply and demand report showed a drop in their estimate of the U.S. cotton crop by 1.14 million bales. Nearly all of that, some 900,000 bales, came right here in Texas. U.S. ending stocks dropped by 1.55 million, down to 5.7 million bales. Winter officially gets underway next week. So what kind of winter can Texas cattlemen expect? Tom Nicoletti takes a look. My guest today is Tracy Tomasek. He is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director for Commodity and Regulatory Activities and Winter is upon us, Tracy, and uh, what does it look like from what you're uh, hearing and seeing uh, for Texas uh, livestock, uh, cattle, sheep, and goats, and uh, and what they have out there to eat, supplemental feeding? It's going to be uh, a long winter. Thanks, Tom, and I hate to say it, but unfortunately, as we transition into the winter months, things are dry and, and conditions. We'd really like them to be in a lot better shape at this time. Unfortunately, if you look at that drought monitor, Texas is pretty colorful in, in bad ways. West Texas has been experiencing the prolonged drought conditions in, in extreme and exceptional categories, and it hasn't changed. But I think the worst part of it is as you move east across the state in areas that generally, uh, on a normal year, are in good forage condition and it's not not necessarily to stake this year what about hay supplies for those livestock producers who uh, certainly have to feed their animals out there in the cold winter months We've got a couple of months ahead of us until we get into some spring grazing uh, for your pasture and range operations. And uh, those folks are unfortunately already into their winter hay supplies and may have been doing it for an extended period of time already. There are parts in central Texas and in south Texas that have been working through the stocks of hay uh, for quite a bit of time already. The good part about it, though, is uh, we had a decent summer from the standpoint of producing hay across the state, in a, in a lot of areas anyway. There has been some hay stored up, but they're eating through it uh, in an early stage this year. Tracy, you referenced the Texas drought monitor and uh, from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley into central and uh, east Texas, a lot of uh, abnormally dry, moderate drought, severe drought areas. And uh, certainly uh, that has to take a toll on stock tanks uh, for the livestock as well. Yeah, there are a lot of places uh, across the state where uh, cleanliness and uh, and, and the, of the water that's available in stock tanks is, is being questioned. So farmers and ranchers are having to take stock in that, develop alternative plans. Uh, obviously, that puts a toll on our on our water supply, and then the effort and the, the work and the time required to get it provided to stock cattle that are generally out on the range and, uh, and can help themselves in a normal year without this sort of a condition. Much of this has to do with uh, the La Nina weather pattern that has uh, blanketed uh, Texas and many of the states in the southwestern U.S. Everybody's experiencing the same uh, conditions, and uh, un- unfortunately, at the forecast looking ahead shows that it's not going to change very much as we move forward in, into the, the coldest part of the year. In preparation for that, farmers and ranchers 
ranchers are putting pencil to paper and uh, trying to make the best of the situation. It's it's not something we're uh, unfamiliar with, but it's certainly something that nobody wants to deal with and uh, has to react uh, under these circumstances. That is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist Tracy Tomasic. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The sheep market has been excellent here in 2020, and it keeps climbing. Larry Marble has more from San Angelo. Neighbor, when we had our last sheep and goat sale in San Angelo on the 4th, we talked about the fact that we didn't know how much room we had left for the market to travel higher. Well, it has. The light end of the hair sheep sold from 230 to 360, with those heavier weights from 180 to 312. And neighbor, those heavyweights were over 80 pounds, so I asked Benny Cox, Benny, what's the skinny? There's one consigner. He had a ring full of 87-pound buck lambs. These are hair sheep. There mm-hmm. was 32 of them. They bring $3 a pound. That is $261 a head. Yep. And you're talking about a lamb that's, you know, kind of five to six months of age. You know, we've got two more sheep sales, and then we'll close uh, for two weeks. If we keep these numbers down in all these auctions, there's no telling what these people will do the next two weeks. Well, Benny, what do you think brought this perfect storm on? You know, we had that good rain event here back, whatever it was, eight, ten weeks ago, where we had some excessive rains, but then we didn't get follow-ups. So, you know, this is a time of the year that a lot of these hair sheep are lambing, goats are kidding. I really don't think that there's any big numbers left out there. Due to the, the dry weather conditions, the range situation, I think a lot of people pushed forward and sold a lot of that supply, and now they're back to raising these little ones, trying to keep the varmints out of them. I simply don't think they're there. The tell-all is is what we see you know we we could show up here with seven thousand next week well neighbor let's hop in the texas farm bureau radio time machine and head into the next week and see what benny actually drew for that next sale on the 8th Uh, through the night we caught 5900 which would probably indicate somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand more so we may you know we could break a seven thousand which is which is a pretty good number for this time of the year and neighbor we'll see in our next report, how that uh, big number affected those good prices we had been seeing for those hair lambs. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. The American Farm Bureau Federation welcomes an announcement by the federal government that U.S. Fish and Wildlife will continue monitoring the health of the monarch butterfly population. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced Tuesday it will leave the monarch butterfly off the endangered species list. The service issued a warranted but precluded decision, which means the monarch will be considered a candidate species for now, according to Ryan Yates, American Farm Bureau Federation Public Policy Managing Director. It places the monarch on a different list of a candidate species. So moving forward, the service will review the monarch annually to make a decision on whether it's warranted for being as a threatened species at that time or whether to keep it as a candidate species. Ultimately, I think what that does for stakeholders gives more opportunity for public-private partnerships to continue to support and enhance conservation efforts for the monarchs. Yates says monarch butterflies migrate from Mexico to Canada each year through U.S. farm country. That pathway crosses a great deal of land covering a large swath of the United States and with that creates opportunities when we're looking to enhance conservation for the species. Ultimately, this species requires habitat as it progresses on its journey every year. Farmers and ranchers 
investors are in a unique position where they have the ability to invest in conservation measures through federal programs such as CRP to provide habitat benefits to bees and butterflies like the monarch. Yates says farmers and ranchers are already striving to be part of the solution. We've been doing this for several years now, working with partners, not only in agriculture, but with the right-of-way groups and state DOTs, many state agencies, wildlife agencies are also developing conservation plans. And so again, this really requires a pretty substantial public-private partnership that we're certainly very happy to be a part of and certainly are committed to continuing the conservation efforts for the monarch moving forward. Michael Clements, Washington. Bagging a dove in the second segment of dove season can be more difficult than in the first. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have some tips for you coming up on Texas Ag Today. And here's a question. Does walking your dog increase your chances of contracting COVID-19? Maybe not. Dr. Bob Judd answers that question coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Does walking your dog increase your chances of contracting COVID-19? A recent study in Spain says it might, but Dr. Bob Judd isn't so quick to accept that answer. The researchers are suggesting that your dog may touch contaminated surfaces in public while walking and bring the virus home. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and most veterinarians believe the findings of this study are flawed. The article is about the spread of SARS-CoV-2 in Spain, and it is based on an online survey that examines the habits and movements of over 2,000 people in Spain that were confined during government-ordered lockdowns last spring. Most of the respondents were graduate or postgraduate students, and 40% were middle-aged. During the lockdown, jogging or walking in public was restricted unless done with a pet. Of the 2,490 owned dogs and 407 reported walking them and walking the dog had a strong effect on increasing risk. The study then concluded that living with dogs was one of the main routes of transmission along with living with a COVID-19 patient, working on site, and purchasing food from a home delivery service. However, Dr. Scott Weiss is an infectious disease specialist, and he indicated this study actually looked at walking a dog, not owning a dog, as the authors suggest living with a pet was not a risk factor. Dr. Weiss is concerned people will read the headline and feel they need to get rid of their pets, and this is not what the survey found. The study also indicated that people having food delivered to their homes were at increased risk, but this does not mean the food delivery caused the infection. So the activity of walking the dog increased the risk of exposure not just owning a dog. Dog walking may increase human contact and has nothing to do with the dog at all. So don't get rid of your dog because of studies like this one that come to incorrect conclusions. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Bagging a dove in the second segment of dove season can be a bit more difficult than in the first round. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. 
The second segment of dove hunting season starts Friday in Texas. And as Owen Fitzsimmons told us yesterday, it can be more difficult to bag a dove this time of year. Fitzsimmons, the Webless Migratory Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, offers us a few tips. It is a little bit different kind of hunting. You need to be a little more concealed, be ready for some longer shots, tighten up your choke pattern and get a little bit larger shot size. Scouting is the key because these birds are going to be moving around looking for a food source that they can take advantage of for a couple of days. And once they wipe out that food source, they're going to be on to the next one. So be ready to move around and jump on the birds when you find them. Fitzsimmons said if you're looking for a place to hunt dove, there are resources available. Definitely check out the public hunting opportunities. A lot of the walk-in APH fields, if you have your annual public hunting permit, a few of them are open in the late season and several of our wildlife management areas are also open in the late season. So check those out if you have some in your area, if you're looking for a place to go. To find those public hunting opportunities, go to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website at tpwd.texas.gov. Under the Hunting tab, click on the link that says Public Hunting. Again, that's tpwd.texas.gov. Dove hunting regulations remain the same in the second segment of the season as they were in the first. Bag limit is 15 birds daily with no more than two white-tipped. Possession limit is three times the daily bag. Legal shooting hours are one half hour before sunrise to sunset. Dove season in the north zone continues through January 3rd. In the central zone, you have until January 14th. And in the south zone, the season runs through January 23rd. Again, today's comments were from Owen Fitzsimmons with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was a higher day for the cattle market. Both live and feeder cattle moved higher, and we saw a nice big jump in the cotton market. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded both sides of the market on Thursday, but we ended up closing higher, both live and feeder cattle ending in positive territory. December live cattle up 57 cents, 109.35. The February up 67, 114.45. April live cattle up 60 cents, 118.42. Feeder cattle closing higher, January feeders up 12, 140.97. March feeder cattle up 62 at 142.60. Cash fed cattle trade still fairly quiet this week. We have seen some sales up north, lower money. They've sold cattle as low as 105. Word has it those are some really heavy cattle. However, here down south, feedlots holding tight. Asking prices at 110 as they hold firm, trying to wait to get higher money here at the end of the week. Boxed beef prices higher, choice up $1.23 at 208.45, select up $1.67, 193.76. 
Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll start in the hill country. Gillespie Livestock Company, Fredericksburg, Texas. Sold 1,418 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.40 to $1.90 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.50 to $201. Four to five weights, $1.45 to $1.97. Five to 600 pound steers, $1.20 to $1.70. Six to seven weights, $1.15 to $1.56. And the seven to eight weight steers, $1.10 to $1.25 a pound. Slaughter cows, 30 to 58 cents. Slaughter bulls, 70 to 85. Stocker cows, 600 to $1,000 a head. Cow calf pairs, 1,000 to 13 hundred a pair. Brazos Valley Livestock Commission in Bryan, Texas sold 1,105 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers $1.70 to $2.15. Three to four weights $1.55 to $2.10. Four to 500 pounders $1.35 to $2.05 a pound. Five to six weight steers $1.30 to $1.59. Six to seven weights $1.13 to $1.29. And the seven to eight weight steers brought $1.20 to $1.24 a pound. Slaughter cows 32 to 51 cents. Slaughter bulls 62 to 72. Stocker cows 8 800 to 1,010 a head. Cow calf pairs brought 850 to 1,100 a pair. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed lower. February hogs down 47 cents, 65.50. April hogs down two at 69.30. Class three milk lower. January milk down 50 cents, 15.63 a hundredweight. The bullishness continues in the cotton market following a very bullish USDA export sales report Thursday morning. Over the last two weeks, total sales have bumped up nearly 900,000 bales. Very positive for the cotton market, a weakening U.S. dollar helping that situation. Also, optimism from the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine is helping to support prices. We close with March cotton up 154 points, 77.19. May cotton up 146. 7789 December 21 cotton up 28 points 7362 It was a good day in the grain markets Kansas City Chicago wheat both finishing higher corn market strongly higher also March Kansas City wheat up eight and a half at 570 new crop July wheat up eight and a quarter 576 July Chicago wheat up nine cents 604 a bushel the corn market higher September corn up three and a quarter 418 and three quarters in the energy markets January natural gas down a penny 265 January crude oil up 58 4840 a barrel the financial markets higher the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 128 points 30282 the Nasdaq up 80 12738 the S&P 500 up 18 3719 well that's a look at the markets and that wraps up another episode of texas ag today hey thanks so much for tuning in i really appreciate it don't forget we're always here to bring you the latest news in texas agriculture i'm carrie martin and i'll see you right here next time on texas ag today thanks for listening to texas ag today be sure to subscribe to our podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.